0: How's it going Ace fans and welcome to episode 113 of the Locked On Ace Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Noted Baseball fan, Jason Burke, and today we're talking about the A's loss, some bad umpiring, a couple of A's moves, the West Watch, and then this weekend series in Houston is on weather alert, so uh, we got a full show for you guys today. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoy. If you do enjoy the podcast, make sure to subscribe wherever you get podcasts, and if you can, please leave a rating and a review. Those are very helpful. Uh, I greatly appreciate them. I read them, and uh, they make me happy, so uh, hit, hit the five stars and then... Leave some nice words, and I appreciate those. Um, also, make sure to follow us on social media at Lockdown A's on Twitter and Instagram. I am at By Jason B on Twitter. And if you have any mailbag questions for us, please feel free to send those to LockdownAthletics at gmail.com. So, A's lost. That sucked. That said, though, Jesus Luzardo looked pretty good. He surrendered three runs in the first two innings, but settled down very nicely and ended up with a line of uh, going six and two-thirds innings pitched. He allowed seven hits. Five of those were in the first two innings, so he allowed two In the next fourth and two-thirds. And then he gave up three earned runs, two walks, and struck out seven. He did... A very nice job for the A's. He settled down nicely. Uh, the slider was working for him. It's a strikeout pitch. When he's getting that going, you, you gotta you gotta watch out. And also, it seems like uh, opposing hitters are attacking him early in the counts. So maybe he's gonna adapt to that uh, in his next start in Houston. Maybe he starts throwing more balls out of the uh, strike zone. Which it, it's a it's a complicated t- catch-22 because if they don't swing, then you're behind in the count as the pitcher, and that's not great. And you're putting them in hitters' counts. But if they do swing. You're not even throwing them strikes, and you're already ahead, and that's that's a plus. Then you can work in the zone and give them more looks, and that opens up a, a brighter repertoire, if you will. So uh, that, that's also a good thing. So uh, maybe he's going to go with that, but he is still you know, just started pitching as a starting pitcher in uh, the big leagues, so maybe it's just going to go with what works for him. Add some more looks as he develops more as a pitcher. Uh, he, he's looking good. I will d- definitely take six and two-thirds innings and three earned runs most every time out, I'd like to see you know a little bit better than that. But you know, if that's his average, that's fine with me. I'm I'm okay with that. Uh, that's keeping the A's, especially with their offense, usually um it's keeping their offense in the game because in baseball you got to probably score four runs a game or so to have a decent shot maybe sometimes a little bit more than that on average in the american league but on average the a's offense will provide that for them so you know that's that's a plus with the way that they're constructed right now so uh moving on you got future oakland athletic lance lynn because the trade deadline is less than a week away he's been pitching really well and hey, we can dream, can't we? So future A Lance Lynn, he went six innings pitch, gave up five hits, two earned runs and two walks and struck out eight. He has been Texas's best pitcher this season. So hopefully things get a little bit easier for the A's the rest of the series. Although I said that last week around this time after the A's lost to Zach Gallin and that did not work out in my favor. So uh, who, who's to say what actually happens uh, tomorrow and the rest of the week at this point? I'm gonna start talking balls and strikes here for a Monday night's game in just a second. But uh, we, we started doing the, the hardest Hit ball of the night. So, I'm going to do that real quick and just get that out of the way because controversy. That's what sells. That's going to be taking up a little bit of time here. So, the hardest hit ball of the night came off of Matt Chapman's bat in the fifth inning. He grounded out. And when I started this, I was like, hey, I'll show you guys that there are ground outs that are hit hard, or, you know, liners or singles or whatever. It's not always a home run that gets hit really hard. And I feel like it's happening too often now where it's not a home run that was the hardest hit ball. So, Maybe we'll have to rethink this one, um, but I, I think you guys get the point by now that I was trying to make, which is uh, Matt Chapman hit this ball 108.7 miles per hour and ground it out. So it's about launch angle, and that's not a dirty word here on the On A's podcast, part of the On Podcast Network, your team every day. Um, yeah, the, the second place hardest hit ball for the A's was Stephen Biscotti's homer, and that one placed second because I said second, um, and that was 106.4 miles per hour off the bat. So, you know, home runs do need to be hit hard, but at higher than a four degree launch angle. So that that's the key, I guess is what we're going for here. But what I really want to talk about today is the controversial ninth inning, uh, it happened because uh, it was not fun for Ace fans. It was glorious for Rangers fans. So just a real quick rundown of how we got to the end point. We'll start with the starting point. Uh, Tony Kemp started off the inning with a single. Then Chris Davis pinch hit for Sean Murphy, who I talked about on Monday's episode. Sean Murphy scorches the ball, similar to Matt Chapman, sometimes better than Matt Chapman. Uh, listen to that. He's been great. I don't know why they pinch hit for him. Maybe I'll do a tangent on that here in a second. But uh, yeah, uh, Tony Kemp. On first base, Chris Davis pinch hit for Sean Murphy and flew out to right field. That turned the order over for Marcus Simeon, and he singled to center, pushing Kemp to second. Loriano drew a walk, which set the table for another grand slam against Texas on a Monday. Who? I like where this is going, but if you know the tone that I've been using the rest of the episode, you know how it ends. And it is not with Oakland getting their own slam pun for like Slamland or something like that. That that did, that did not happen on Monday. Maybe we have three more games to make that happen. But uh basically Matt Olsen comes up to the dish and Umpire Lance Barrett just had different plans for other you know, getting the A's into Slamtown or whatever they want to call him. Um, Rafael Montero was on the hill for the Rangers. He started off Olsen with a called strike that was low and outside, according to the box on TV and the strike zone on MLB.com. And also just common sense. It was just low and outside, but it was called strike, putting Olson behind in the count. 0-1-1. Oh, Not a great place to start when, uh, you know, you, you want to tie the game here. Uh, Montero's second pitch was actually over the plate, but a little bit lower, and it was called a ball. So it was actually a little bit closer to Matt Olson because it was not as far outside. But it was pretty close to where the other ball landed, but this one was called a ball. Uh, I tweeted about it, so I'll, I'll link a tweet in the show notes here for you guys, so you guys can get a visual of what it looked like. Uh, so it's 1-1, one and one, and Montero's next pitch was out over the plate, uh, on the outer third of the plate, and Matt Olsen just felt that one off. So it's 1-2 uh, and two as opposed to 2-1. and one. Not a great place for Matt Olson to be in, especially when he doesn't necessarily know what the strike zone is at this point because the umpire is making it up his own little strike zone and uh Montero just decided to throw another one just below the zone see what happened and Lance Barrett helped him out again by ringing up Matt Olsen for called strike three so it was a kind of useless at bat by Matt Olson, but I don't really fault him for it Marcus Semien said that you know they looked like they were good takes which means they were balls uh Bob Melvin said that they were taking close pitches and blah blah blah. These quotes after the game were basically just diplomatic versions of "Yeah, we got kind of hosed there." So uh, that that was a lot of fun. And th- there were some people that were like, "Ah, oh, they need to do better in this." I'm like, Olson didn't know what the strike zone was. He got three. Well, I mean, one strike he earned, I guess, and then he got two strikes that were not strikes. And I believe that the rules in baseball are that you get three strikes. He got one, so I mean, sure, I guess he should have hit a ball in the outfield on something that was, you know, below his shin. That, you can't really drive that ball. That's a grounder. That's a double play. So if you think about it, he probably would have grounded into a double play, ended the game. So maybe striking out on shitty pitches was the best option for him, given the strike zone he was working with. That's my take, I guess. I know they needed a sack fly to win the game, but, you know, still, whatever. Bring on robo-umps is what I'm saying. And from here, I know that Matt Chapman had an opportunity to get a hit with the bases still loaded and the A's still down by a run, but the ump show against Olsen really changed the game, I think, and also changed Matt Chapman's at-bat, because at this point, he doesn't necessarily know what's a strike anymore because of what he just saw from the on-deck circle. And if Montero starts tinkering below the zone again, does he have to swing, or is Lance Barrett going to actually adhere to the strike zone at this time around? Does he have a vendetta against Matt Olsen, or just people named Matt? There's a lot of different things that he has to be considering at this point and uh essentially has the strike sound now changed with two outs and the bases loaded with your team down by a run in the ninth is not something any player should have to think about so I I know that you want to see, as a fan, you want to see your favorite team come through in big situations every time. That's just not what happens. I'm, they're going to lose games every now and then, but for it to happen on the ump show, that kind of sucks. But if we take a step back and everything and really go macro on this one, uh, the A's are 20-10 and 10 at the halfway point, and in baseball, you, you lose games. That just happens. The best hitters in baseball... Or fail 70% of the time. So, you know, and Matt Chapman's like a 246 hitter right now. So he fails 75% of the time. Um, yeah, it's just not he's not going to come through every time. Matt Olson's hitting like 176. He's not going to come through every time. This stuff happens, you know. Oh, well, hopefully it's better in the playoffs. But as for the regular season, I mean, Oakland could go 10 and 20 the rest of the way and probably still make the playoffs as an eight seed. Obviously, it would be best to win a few more games than that. And, uh, you know, take care of the elusive AL West championship, but from a super macro perspective, we're just happy that baseball is on TV, like at all, considering everything that's going on, and if the A's had to get hosed on a random Monday game in Arlington in order to bring some happiness to Rangers fans, and I will say this, Rangers fans who were largely embarrassed by Chris unwritten rules Woodward then you know I guess it's okay that the A's had to drop a you know a loss that or a game that they shouldn't have lost necessarily but the umpires felt otherwise so you know that's the macro view that I'm trying to take of it and you know try and be less aggro about it I guess I don't know wait until we get to the playoffs it's gonna be fury all the time all I'm saying is random wins and losses at this point in the season with the A's doing so well you take the results as they come nothing's really gonna change the necessary outcome of the entire season at this point if they get a you know one seed or a two seed or a three seed by winning the division great if they get a four or five or a six that's also fine there's no guarantee that they're going to be facing worse competition by being a better seed so you know at this point you, you might be facing like the hottest team in baseball if you get the one seed so do you really want to face like the white Sox when they're hitting all these dingers no i i do not so you know it you take it more as it comes right now, and then as the playoffs get a little bit closer and you kind of see where the seedings are, then you start rooting for where you actually want to be, if you want to be a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, somewhere in there. Just got to play by ear at this point. So coming up, we've got some A's notes, weather concerns in Houston and Westwatch. But first, we're going to talk a little bit about Built Bar. The improved Built Bar is even more deliciouser than ever. See, I'm looking at the ad read, and that's something that I can say. It says deliciouser, and I'm gonna say it every time now. I just spotted that. Built Bar. Okay, let's actually start the ad read. Built Bar, they are protein bars that taste like candy bars. They are more deliciouser than ever. They got six new flavors. They got caramel brandy, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Oh man, I am out of breath just thinking about these. And if you add those six new flavors to their original 12 flavors, that's 18 flavors, you guys. That's they also have coconut almond. Raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, salted caramel, double chocolate, orange, toffee almond, coconut, and peanut butter brownie. All 18 of these flavors are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. I've said it before: throw them in the refrigerator. They're delicious when you do that, uh, and especially with the heats that we've been dealing with. It's cooled down, but still, I'm I'm in the mood for a nice cool treat. So if you want a nice, cool, delicious treat that is healthy for you, Built Bar is great for the health conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging with this delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, great for the keto diet. And if you order now, they still have that free cooler that I've been talking about for the last couple of weeks available with purchase. So you order your Built Bars right now, you use the code LOCKEDON, you get $10 off your Bilt Bar box and you get a free cooler. I have not been told that there are no more coolers, which is a little bit astounding to me. I figured they'd be out by now. I'm going to throw some shots here real quick. The only way that they still have coolers is if they stocked up like they were doing a Giants bobblehead giveaway as opposed to an A's bobblehead giveaway. And uh, shots fired. I'm sorry, but I want my bobbleheads and I don't want to be there super early to get one. Uh, anyways, builtbar.com. <laughs> you can go to builtbar.com, use promo code locked on. That is one word locked on, and you'll get $10 off your next order. Use Promo code Locked On for ten dollars off at BuiltBar.com. All right, we are back. And if you have not already, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get podcasts. Leave us a rating or review if you could be so kind. And follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at ByJasonB on Twitter. And you can email us any questions that you have to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. So the news that came out from A's Camp today is that Jonah Hyam and Jordan Weems both got called up. Austin Allen and Paul Blackburn were sent back to the second site in San Jose. Still sounds like they kidnapped somebody. Uh, Second sight. Anyways, uh, it's nice to have Jordan Weems back in the bullpen. I feel like that gives these another reliable arm down in the bullpen, and also they, they haven't been using Paul Blackburn. I like guys that they can use in the bullpen. Maybe that's just how I was raised. I don't know. Anyways, Jonah Heim. When he gets into a game, he will be making his Major League debut. Also, it was announced last week that Jonah and his partner, Kenzie, are expecting their first child. So congratulations to the happy couple from all of us. Me at Locked On Ace. So uh, congrats to those guys. He's uh, Jonah Hyam if you don't know him, he's a switch hitting catcher. Uh, they said that he's going to be getting most of his work against right-handed pitchers. That is not not mean that he's going to be working against all right-handed pitchers, but when he does get into games, it will be against right-handed pitchers because he's better from the left, and also uh, Sean Murphy hits from the right, so makes it easier for platooning, I guess. Last time we saw Jonah Heim, uh, he was great defensively as a catcher. He's up there with Sean Murphy in that regard, and then offensively, at least in the minor leagues, he was uh, you know on par. He was getting to be on par with Austin Allen. So he's a great, well-rounded catcher. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him play a little bit. I was kind of rooting for him to make the team out of camp. So uh, hopefully we get to see him before too long. That would be great. I would really appreciate that. But, uh, you know, let's get into the West Watch here. The Mariners were rewarded for an off day after sweeping the Rangers. They will start their three-game series against the Padres in San Diego on Tuesday night. You already know about the A's and uh, Rangers game. The Rangers won 3-2 on some BS, but you know, whatever, it happens. So that means that the only game left on the West docket was the Angels and Astros, and to give you some insight into how this game went, I'll just start by telling you that Anthony Bemboom, he pitched for the Halos, and if you know who Anthony Bemboom is, uh, you know how this game went already, and if you don't know who Anthony Bemboom is, uh, he's the Astros' backup catcher, And, and after his one inning pitched, he is the best pitcher in Angels franchise history, so good Congratulations to Anthony Ben Boom on finding his second calling as a relief pitcher. So if you're reading between the lines at home, that means that this game was a blowout. Uh, ben Boom went one inning, gave up a walk, but the Angels actual pitchers gave up 11 runs on 11 hits and 6 walks. So even as ugly as that sounds, it was a 5-4 game with the Astros leading as late as the 6th inning. Well, the bottom of the 6th. Um, The Angels loaded the bases for Houston because they're just nice people. They're angels. They're angels in the outfield. They're so nice. The Angels doing God's work were on the mound this time and they were not great. Uh, They loaded the bases by issuing two walks and hitting George Springer on the elbow with a pitch. See, doing God's work. We do not condone hitting George Springer on the elbow. That's just mean. Don't do that. Uh, He seems like a nice guy, I think. I don't know. I haven't heard reports that he's a jerk, but maybe he is. I don't know. He stutters. Uh, He's likable. I don't know. Uh, Anyways, so they got to where the bases were loaded and there was two outs. That was nice. I think they got into where there was uh, two strikes on Carlos Correa and then he was like, hey, you know what? How about I double and I just clear the bases? And then he did that because he's been having a really good season, actually. Uh, We're we're divided on Carlos Correa on this podcast. It's only me, but I'm I have mixed feelings. Um, so he cleared the bases. Kyle Tucker followed it up with a double of his own, bringing home Correa. That made it 9-4 to as the inning came to a close. The Astros went on to win 11-4 overall. So, uh, you know, great great job, I guess. One note on that game, though. Uh, Springer stayed in initially, but was then removed for a pinch runner uh, before anything really got going. They, they were like, oh, hey, he's staying in. He's coming out now. Okay, cool. Uh, X-Rays came back na- negative, and he's listed as day-to-day. Uh, they might have removed him because they're going to play a doubleheader today, which was not scheduled. uh, But I'll get into that here in just one second. Uh, And but before I do real quick, I just want to tell you guys just how hot Kyle Tucker has been. I think i like kyle tucker he's on my fantasy team i feel like they've been jerking him around a little bit uh with playing time and you know not letting him play even though he's been ready and he was not part of the 27 team so kyle tucker seems like an okay guy uh at this point in time over his last six games since they touched down in colorado last week kyle tucker is 10 for 20 in his last six games with five walks three home runs 11 runs batted in and he struck out twice He's raised his batting average from 193 to 252 in those six games. He's he's on fire, and, you know, good for him. I look forward to watching him play as he gets more playing time and is, you know, reaching his potential, but uh, save it for not against the A's, please. That'd be great. Uh, good job to him, but knock that off, you know, before the weekend starts is what I'm saying here. Uh, the, the Houston note that I've been teasing all episode with the weather is that Tuesday's game with the Angels is now going to be a doubleheader, and the start time for Wednesday's game was moved up uh, due to Tropical Storm Laura, which is due to arrive in the Houston area late Wednesday or in the middle of the night going into Thursday. So, at some point Wednesday to Thursday is when they're expecting the tropical storm to hit. And this is all according to Allison Footer of MLB.com. Uh, there has been no word on if the tropical storm will, you know, impede the A's and Astros uh, weekend games that are scheduled for. Houston, obviously. And uh, the obvious fix, if there is some sort of tropical storm warning or if they don't know that they're going to be able to play at Minute Maid Park, would just be to play the games at Oakland because, you know, it's open and available and, you know, whatever. It'd be fine. The obvious pushback on this would be that uh, the A's would have 10 games played in Oakland against Houston and you know that's not fair to Houston but you know screw them who cares I think that it's a great fix and that uh, the A's should play all of their games against Houston in Oakland this year because they are cheaters and I'm fine with that Uh, not the cheating the playing the games in Oakland Uh, cheaters never prosper that's what I'm saying so closing out with the standings as of Tuesday morning you got the A's at 20 and 10 atop the AL West Houston after their win they are 16 and 13 three and a half games back of the A's Texas remains in third place at 11 and 17, eight games back of the A's, one game up on the Seattle Mariners, who are 11 and 19 and nine games back of the A's. And pulling up the rear, you got the Angels at 9 and 21, 11 games back of the A's after their loss to Houston. And lastly, the pitching matchup for Tuesday's game in Arlington, you got Shamanagh going for the A's against Kyle Gibson of the Rangers. Uh,. Should be some runs scored, although eye has been pitching better, so we'll see. Um, should be a fun game. Looking forward to it. I'll be live tweeting it along with you guys at Locked On A's, so if you guys want to live tweet with us, feel free to do so. I send out tweets. Um, yeah, that's it for me today, you guys. Stay indoors, celebrate good times, keep wearing those masks, and I'll talk to you guys tomorrow.